You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, I Am the Bread of Life, is part one in the series, I Am For You, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, thank you so much to our choir. Good gracious, that was good. Thank you for singing about the Lord Jesus and the victory that he gives us. And uh, so good to hear from our children today. Uh, Thank you so much, boys and girls who shared and parents who brought them all three services today. Uh, Well, I want to ask you to please find in your Bible, John chapter 6, the gospel of John and chapter 6. As you're turning there, uh, I want you to imagine, if you will, that you don't have a clue who I am, and you run into me in the hallway this morning, and we get to chatting, and then you say, well, tell me, who are you? And what if my answer was, well, I am. I am. And that would be true, right? Because I definitely am. I exist I'm a real person standing here in front of you, and so I am. That would be true. But you would say, of course, that's a weird answer. You are what? And so I would, of course, begin to add more information to that statement. I would say to you, I am Dan Spencer. I am from West Tennessee. I am Teresa's husband. I am a pastor and so on. Uh, I heard a description of myself just the other night that I had never thought of before. It never entered my mind. Some friends were waiting on me at a restaurant and I was the last one to arrive. And they told the server, you'll know who it is when you see the guy with good posture. (laughs) I've never even thought about that before, but it makes me want to stand up straighter today. Uh, so if nothing else, I've got that going for me. I'm, I'm a dork with good posture, and that's who I am. Now listen, if you don't find out who I am, you have not really missed much. But if you don't find out who Jesus is, then you have missed Everything. Did you know that when Jesus came into the world, when he came down from heaven, that he introduced himself with those words, I am. Did you know that? Now, every Jewish person in Jesus' world knew the story of I am. It's the story of Moses at the burning bush when Uh, He meets God there, and Moses asks God his name. The story goes like this from Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And so the idea is that God is eternally existent. 
He has no beginning. He has no ending. He is the creator, the initiator of all that there is. And uh, he rules over all that there is in sovereignty. He is the great I am. And here's what happened. Jesus, in the most dangerous statement that he ever made, Jesus took that idea of God as the great I am, and Jesus rightfully claimed that identity for himself. Here's what he said in John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And everyone who heard that knew exactly what Jesus meant. He was claiming Nothing short of the fact that he is God in the flesh. And then Jesus began to add information to that. Jesus said, I am. I am the one who came from nowhere and stood on nothing and created everything. I am the one who said to Abraham, come out and go to a place I'm going to show you and I'm going to make of you a great nation. Jesus was claiming, I am the one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. I am the one who met Moses on Mount Sinai and spoke to him the words of the law. Jesus said, I am the great I am. And then he began to add to that. In fact, the gospel of John is built around seven statements that Jesus made where he said, I am claiming that identity as holy God. And then he added to it a metaphor. He said, I am the door. And he was explaining more fully who he is. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And so in the month of August and September, We're going to look at each of those in order, and here's why. Because nothing in this world is more important than knowing Jesus. Nothing's more important than having clarity about who Jesus really is and why Jesus came. There is so much confusion in the world around that that we need to take time to make sure that we're clear about it. I'm calling this series of sermons, I am for you. Because each of these seven statements Jesus made has an important meaning for your life and for your purpose. And so let's read the first one in John chapter six. John chapter six. We're gonna begin reading in verse 25. And here's the setting. The setting is that in chapter five, Uh, The day before, uh, thousands of people who had seen Jesus working miracles in the city followed Jesus out to the countryside and they wanted to hear uh, what he was going to say next, what he was going to do next. And uh, the crowd, which numbered 5,000, and that was just the, the men in the crowd, not counting the women and children, that crowd became hungry. And so Jesus took the lunch of a little boy that was offered, and it was a lunch of just two fish and five pieces of bread. 
And Jesus miraculously multiplied that little boy's lunch and fed the entire crowd and they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. It was an astounding miracle. And so when we get to chapter 6, it's the very next day. Jesus has crossed over the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And the people came looking for him. Verse 25 says, And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them. Now, he did not answer the question they asked. He answered instead a much greater question. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. In other words, the only reason that you found me today is that you're hungry again. You want me to give you more food. And then Jesus just flips that around. I want you to watch in verse 27 what Jesus does with these people who just want more food. He turns that around to teach them something. Uh, Verse 27, Jesus said, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now, what's Jesus doing here? I think Jesus was was, uh, doing for them what we need him to do for us. Jesus was lifting them up from being absolutely obsessed with uh, temporal, earthly, physical concerns. And Jesus lifts them up to reveal a, a spiritual reality to them about their lives and about our lives. And here's that reality. Jesus reveals here in verse 27, there is a deeper hunger than your physical hunger. There there is a, a deeper longing in your soul that cannot be fulfilled by eating another meal. There's a greater hunger in your soul that cannot be filled by more money or a better job or a new lover or a new high. Jesus tells these people, look, You ate until you were full just yesterday, but now you're already hungry again. But listen, there is something that I can give you, Jesus said, that will endure and fill you forever. So verse 28 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Uh, But it wasn't about them being able to work for anything. It's about what God could give them. Uh, Jesus answered, verse 29, and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And he was, of course, referring to himself. Uh, Verse 30 says, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform them that we may see it and believe in you? What work will you do? And then they brought one up from the history of Israel. They said, our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Uh, Now, I think they were trying to force the issue and say, look, if Moses did this, then you can, we're hungry. Uh, But watch what Jesus does with that. 
Now, you have to know the background here. Verse 31 is a reference to the book of Exodus, uh, which gives the historical account of God delivering his people, the children of Israel, from slavery in Egypt. Moses led them, and they made their way through the wilderness to the promised land. And along the way, God taught them to trust him. And one of the ways that they had to learn to trust him was for their daily food. So as the people traveled, uh, they were in a, a wasteland where food was hard to come by. The food they brought with them ran out, and the people got hungry. And then they got hangry. And they said, Moses, what are we going to eat? And here is how God provided that need. Exodus 16, 14 says, When the layer of dew lifted, that is in the morning, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? Now, that question, what is it, in Hebrew, sounds like the word manna. Manna is a question. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And so God's answer to their hunger and God's provision was to give them from heaven a perfect food that would be all their nutritional needs that they would have. It's like if God were to give you the recipe for a perfect protein bar, and that was all you had to eat. Uh, that's what God gave to them. Every day for 40 years, God sent down the manna. All they had to do was pick up what they needed for that day. It's described in Exodus 16, 31. It says, the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Sounds to me like a Krispy Kreme donut. Wouldn't that be great? It was good for you, too. What if it was good for you? And God gives them this every day, all that they needed. Now, watch what Jesus did with that back in John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, that is that manna that fell, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he's not talking about a piece of bread now, he's talking about a person. In fact, Jesus is speaking of himself. Verse 34, they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, here it is, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. He explains it further down in verse 47. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread. And I believe here he points to himself. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven If anyone eats of this bread, 
He will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So uh, the lesson is pretty clear, isn't it? That just as the manna was God's supernatural provision sent down from heaven to sustain life physically, Jesus is God's gift sent down from heaven to give us life spiritually. So uh, with that understood, let me give you this morning four facts about the bread of life. Four facts. Number one, and I know it's obvious, but I need to say it. Number one, everyone has spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. It's different from physical hunger. Everyone knows the feeling of physical hunger. That sensation you feel when your body needs food. We were all born with that feeling. We're born hungry. Many of you are feeling that sensation of physical hunger right now. I mean, it's 1148. It's lunchtime. Some of you are experiencing something called borborygmy. That's the medical term for that gurgling, growling sound that your digestive system makes when it has nothing to digest because it's empty. You need food. Uh, All preachers know what that stomach growling sounds like. In fact, sometimes on a Sunday morning, if you're really quiet, you can hear growling stomachs all over the worship center. And it's like a choir singing out, Pastor, hurry up. I've got to feed this monster. That's physical hunger. But Jesus was talking about spiritual hunger, wasn't he? Spiritual hunger is the aching of an empty soul. And we all know what that feels like too. The thing about that spiritual hunger is that nothing the world has to offer us can satisfy that hunger. Romantic partners cannot fulfill the spiritual hunger that we are born with. No amount of money is enough to satisfy that spiritual hunger. Earthly success and achievements and promotions and trophies cannot do the job when it comes to fulfilling that spiritual hunger we have. It's what uh, the physicist Blaise Pascal was talking about when he made this statement. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. It's true. That's why, by the way, the the ministry we have on Monday nights uh, where we provide a meal, we call that hot meals for hungry hearts. Because we, we know that people have physical hunger. We provide for them a hot meal to satisfy that physical hunger. But there is a reason we do that beyond just... Uh, 
helping people with their physical nutrition, we want an opportunity to be able to sit down and to tell them how Jesus can satisfy their spiritual hunger. Everyone has spiritual hunger. Here's the second fact I want you to understand today, and that is if you don't eat nourishing food, you die. And that statement is as true spiritually as it is physically. Uh, Brent, uh, Maggard, would you come and help me with something? I just need somebody to hold something. I can't think of anybody better than you. Uh, How many of you know that not everything that you pass in the grocery store that is advertised to be food is really nutritious food, right? Um, That's why you better be careful when you're hangry because you might stick anything in your mouth just to try to satisfy your hunger But uh, you need something that has some nutrition. Now, uh, Brent, if you'll hold that. Yesterday, I went to Small Mart. Uh, Do you guys call it that at your house? I know we do. The Small Walmart. We call it Small Mart. I went to Small Mart, and uh, I bought some things to show you. Uh, First of all, I bought some Ezekiel bread. Uh, bread. Have you ever had Ezekiel bread? Uh, Ezekiel bread is probably the most nutritious bread on the market. All of the ingredients are found in the Bible. The recipe is in the Bible. And it's got a really short list of ingredients. It's all about, uh, you know, sprouted grains and complete proteins and non-GMO and organic. In fact, their slogan on the wrapper says, food for life. And it says that because if you eat this kind of nutrition, uh, this will help you to be healthy. It will nourish your body and and add years to your life, I guess. So uh, here, let me show you something else I bought in another aisle, okay? Uh, I got some Skittles. Anybody like Skittles? Oh yeah. (laughs) Brett said everybody should. Uh, Here's the thing. Skittles are food. I mean, you buy it in the grocery store, but is it really nutritious? I looked on the back. You know what's in Skittles? It, it's, it's carnauba wax and artificial flavors and some food coloring. That's about all there is. Uh, so Skittles taste good, but you wouldn't give it to a, a person who is malnourished because it doesn't provide much nourishment at all, even though it's delicious. Uh, here's something else that I got. Good old original flavor Doritos. You like Doritos, Brett? Yes, sir. I, I like a good Dorito <laughs> myself. Uh, cool Ranch or regular? I got the flaming Hot back here. Flaming Hot? Yeah. Good gracious. Now, I looked on the back of, of this. You know what's in a Dorito? A Dorito is mainly comprised of a corn byproduct and chemical names that you can't pronounce. And so again, you wouldn't give this to a person who is malnourished because it doesn't have a whole lot of nourishment in it. I got to tell you though, uh, the, the Skittles and the Doritos have got the packaging figured out much better than Ezekiel Bread's packaging, all right? Ezekiel Bread says, boring. 
Skittles and Doritos. Look at that. It says, buy me. I'm good. Uh, and yet the nutrition inside the clever packaging uh, can't compare to the Ezekiel bread, right? So here's our problem, Brett. The junk always looks more appealing than the nutritious stuff, and yet it won't nourish you. Skittles and Doritos won't really strengthen you. They won't improve your health. They won't add years to your life, and they won't satisfy you for very long. Eat a big handful of Doritos and Skittles, and you're going to be hungry pretty soon, and enough of these things will probably take you to an early grave. And so let, let's, let's eat better. Deal? We'll do we'll let's do it. it. Let's do it. All right, let me put this back. You guys say thank you. Yeah, you can keep it. You guys say thank you to Brett. (laughs) Now, of course, you know what I'm talking about. In the same way, the junk that this world offers to us to try and satisfy these deepest needs of our soul, they, they always disappoint. They don't satisfy. Listen again to what Jesus said in verse 48 of John 6. He said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So here's the third fact you need to know, and that is only Jesus is the bread of life. Only Jesus is the bread of life. What I mean is only Jesus can satisfy the deepest needs of your soul. And everything else this world has to offer, it's just Skittles and Doritos. I mean, making more money, it's just Skittles and Doritos. That won't satisfy your your deepest needs of your spiritual hunger. A new boyfriend, Skittles and Doritos. A big scholarship, congratulations. But at the end of your life, that's just Skittles and Doritos too. Another social media admirer, Skittles and Doritos. A comfortable life, a big retirement account, even a loving family will not satisfy your greatest need, your spiritual hunger. Only Jesus is the bread of life. Only Jesus satisfies the soul. Notice what Jesus said in verse 51. He said, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. You know that physically... Food won't do you any good unless you put it in your mouth and partake of it. When Jesus said, whoever eats of this bread will live forever, eating there means believing in Jesus and receiving him as your Savior and Lord. Another way to say it is this, just as bread is of no benefit unless you partake of it by eating, so Jesus only makes a difference 
only gives life when you partake of him by believing. Jesus said, whoever comes to me and believes in me and eats of this bread will have life. You know, many people think that uh, it's enough just to respect Jesus or, or to admire Jesus. There's no real commitment that's necessary there. Uh, if you do that, if you just respect who Jesus is, then the hunger of your soul will be satisfied. But that's just not true. Jesus said, you must eat of me. You have to partake of me by believing in me and committing your life to me. Question, can your physical hunger be satisfied just by walking through a restaurant or glancing at a menu? Of course not. You have to eat the food. Likewise, you can't just hear about Jesus and expect to be changed any more than uh, watching an episode of the British baking show will put supper on the table. And you can't just attend church and hang around with God's people and expect to be fulfilled in that deepest hunger of your soul any more than walking down the aisle of a grocery store will fill your stomach. Change only comes, satisfaction only comes, fulfillment only comes when you believe in Jesus and commit your life to him. I know it sounds funny to our ears, but in Jesus' words, you must eat of him. You must, you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there may be someone here today that you find yourself sitting there with that greatest need. You feel it. You feel the hunger pangs. And everything else you've ever tried in your life turns out just to be Skittles and Doritos. It, it doesn't satisfy. It's a, it's a substitute for what you really need. Can I tell you today, your greatest need can only be satisfied when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need Him. And so maybe the reason that God brought you here today, I don't think it's a mistake. The reason God brought you here today is to trust in Him, to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then I have to end with this. Um, You know, bakeries bake bread. The big ones bake thousands and thousands of loaves every day. But the point of baking bread is not to leave it in the bakery. Every bakery has a strategy for delivery. You, if the bread's going to nourish anybody, you've got to get it out of the bakery so that people can access it. And so with that in mind, here's the last fact I want to give you today. Did you know that God's strategy for delivering the bread to starving souls is you? You are God's strategy. The way it works is that those of us who have been satisfied by that bread of life, We've trusted in Jesus. He's forgiven us. He's changed our lives. He's saved us forever. Those of us who have, who have been partakers of that bread of life, while we go to others 
who are starving in their souls like we once were, and we give them the bread. We, we tell them the good news that Jesus came, and Jesus went to the cross for us, and Jesus died for us, and He rose from the dead to save us. And we, in that way, we offer them the bread of life. An old Scottish missionary by the name of Harold Wildish said it this way. Christianity is really just one beggar telling another beggar where he can get some bread. And so two questions as we pray. One is, if you're spiritually hungry, what are you going to do with that? You need the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And if you've already received that, you're already saved, who are you sharing that bread with? Because God's strategy is you, and it's me, and it's us. That's why here at First Baptist Church, we continue to send people around the world on mission to deliver the bread. That's why it's our responsibility, every one of us, to deliver that bread of life to fellow students at school, to neighbors, to relatives, to friends, to our community, so that others can have a chance to be saved and to have that everlasting life. Amen. Let's stand together. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.